to episode 209 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who was in bed by 9.30 on New Year's Eve, John Scott Sloat. Yes, I was. <laughs> Yeah, that's the least predictable or the most predictable thing. Yeah, we got we got invited to one New Year's Eve party. You did. And uh and you declined that invitation. We declined that invitation for sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Easiest decision I made all year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. No offense to the invite the the people who invited us. You realize it's possible to attend and then leave well before the ball drops. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Also, a dangerous night to be on the roads. Not a good night. Mm. I see. That's at least what I was told growing up. <laughs> that New Year's Eve was the most dangerous driving night of the year. Okay. And that 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 might be a. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose there's an element of truth to that, but there's also probably the. Uh, I also read an article that called uh, that said Thanksgiving is a uh, Christian holiday masquerading as a secular holiday. And then New Year's is a just a pure pagan holiday. Yeah, I, sure. You're okay with calling New Year's? He, he said, what, I mean, what did the article say? That's, that's an overstatement. But. Halloween and and New Year's are pagan holidays, is what they said. I, I suppose it depends on what we're how we're defining pagan and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I mean, but yes, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm there with Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I am not going to argue that point. Yeah. Yeah. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day kind of stuff. Eh, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that uh I'm a little tired this morning coming in because we're actually recording on New Year's uh, on the 2nd. Yeah. And uh on the actual day this episode drops, which is unusual. But didn't want to come in on and a little against the clock for us as well because yeah, we have a we have a lunch planned after this. Yeah, we'll get it done. And then we're done by lunch by twelve thirty. Get the podcast uploaded on the internet by one one thirty. Yeah, it'll, it'll be get fun. on. It'll be fun. Yeah. So uh, three of the last four nights, I have been up past midnight. Oh gosh. Yeah. Why? Uh, college football. College football. And then New Year's Eve. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dragging a little bit. Not Brutal. Gonna Not going to lie. Um, if you would like to contact the show <laughs> and uh, and uh, discuss your own New Year's Eve uh, plans. I mean, we, we hosted a party. Uh, that I was invited to. Yes, and you declined. Uh, mm-hmm. You can contact the show at VNSPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and on YouTube, and we would love for you to start the new year right by leaving us a five-star mm. rating and leaving a review. Now, the review, you can absolutely trash us. This has got to be five stars. The The rating has to be five stars. You you can be snarky. You can be – you can take shots at our favorite sports teams. Um, you can, it can be riddled with puns if yeah, you prefer. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, – it's got to be a five star. So, all right, John. Let's let's talk some sports. Okay. Uh, the headliner, I would think, would probably just be 
Um, big big weekend of college football with the bowl games and that sort of stuff. And let's start with I, I will circle around to the Ohio State debacle in a moment. But let's start with the um, the playoff games. Uh, did you watch either of them or in any in any portion? Uh, highlights. Okay. <laughs> All right. Both were terrific football games. Yeah, they they compelling down to the last minute. Um, uh, my biggest complaint is, for the love of God, why are we starting the first one at five and the second one at nine o'clock at night? What are we doing? Yeah, that's especially awful late. when the next day is a work day mm-hmm. for basically everybody. Well, and no, and who's working on New Year's Day? Not many, some obviously, but yeah. like you could start those things. You could you could run those things like noon and five, or, noon and five, or two and seven. Like anyway, ridiculous. the The second game ended last night like ten till one. Oh gosh, that's late. Ten till one, somewhere around there. So. Um, it kind of reminds me of the and this maybe it's an NCAA problem. The national championship basketball game is always on a Monday. It is, and that starts typically at like tip off like around nine fifteen, nine twenty. Yeah, that's late. But basketball games are two hours. Yeah, they're a lot quicker. So that's still over by 11.20, 11.30 maybe. Yeah, that's still late. <laughs> I, it is. It is. But um, it's ridiculous. Um, so, Unless you're on the West Coast. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I understand that on during the week. But on New Year's Day, nobody's working. Yeah. And so it's not like you're like, well, we got to let the West Coast people get home from work to watch the game. Nobody's working, or mm-hmm. very few people are working. And he had one West Coast team. He had Washington. Who won? Who won, yes. Very exciting. Yes. So uh, in the first semifinal, that team up north um, beat Alabama. Um, that was disappointing. First time in my life I think I've ever rooted for Alabama. Yeah, I was wondering who you were rooting for in that game, whether this would be a Big Ten sort of— No, no, no. no. Look, 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 look. Um, the Big Ten is different than the SEC. SEC is like mm. this inbred family mm-hmm. that will root for its own, even though it hates the other team. It's like, well, yeah, that's that's my cousin, but you can't talk smack about my cousin. I think he's a total tool and I hate him, but he's my cousin and you can't talk about him like that. It's not that way in the Big Ten. Mm. Uh, there were plenty of memes of uh, among Ohio State fans and others of if it was the Taliban against Michigan, I'd be rooting <laughs> for the Taliban. You know, obviously hyperbole, but you get the sure, point. Sure. Um, uh, props to to Michigan uh, for for winning that game. Alabama made some crucial mistakes down the down the stretch, and Michigan capitalized. Though Michigan made some terrible mistakes and almost made. A historically bad mistake. I don't know if you saw this on the highlights, but Alabama punted with like less than a minute left in uh, regulation. And the Michigan kid back to return the punt at like the five-yard line muffs the punt. Oh, gosh. And he's able to fall on it on the one-yard line. And save the day, basically. I saw this on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the terror mm-hmm. going through that kid's heart in that like second of, I just dropped the ball. 
I have to get on that ball. Yeah. I will go down in college football history <laughs> if I don't fall on this ball. Yes. Um, but Michigan's special teams were terrible. They muffed another punt that Alabama recovered. They missed a field goal badly. Like, it was, it was a— At some point, you just stop catching punts, you know? Well, that's the thing. You have no chance. I mean, they. I think they had like, I don't know, twenty seconds left. In like, you're not going to, you're not going to drive the length of the field to kick a field goal to win it. At that point, you go all out block, right? Yeah, or you, if you're returning it, even just like you put a guy there and say, "Don't catch it," yeah. just run away from it, and let the clock run out, or it goes into the end zone, or they down it at the five anyway, and you're like. Okay, we take a knee and we go to overtime. Yeah. Utterly ridiculous, dumb decision. Uh, and then in the other uh, semifinal game, which was very entertaining, Washington hung on to beat Texas. Uh, Washington tried to give that game away and uh, was almost su- successful hmm. but failed, and so they won. So Washington and Michigan in the national title game, and I am now a massive Washington Huskies fan. That's kind of who I was rooting for to win the whole thing anyway. Yes. It's it's interesting. Even though technically it's not true yet, it was basically two semifinals with Big Ten versus SEC. Mm-hmm. So the second one, Washington and Texas, neither of those teams are in, are in their conferences yet. But they will but be. But next year, Texas will be in the SEC. Washington will be in the Big Ten. Hmm. And the Big Ten won both matchups. Hmm. That, that's a little surprising nationally, I think. So. Hmm. In any case, uh, let's talk briefly about Ohio State. Good grief. I did not watch highlights from this game. Uh, there were none. Because there were none. There were none. Um, when did they play? That was Friday night. Okay. Uh, I have much that I could say, but I will, I will reserve my comments to a few. Um, the biggest uh, disappointment is the setup for the game was – here we go. We've got our backup quarterback, the guy who uh, got beat out by Kyle McCord, who transferred after the Michigan game. Now we can see what he can do as a way of looking into next year and saying, okay, do we need to go out into the transfer portal and get a quarterback for a year? Yeah. Or is this guy going to be good enough? What do we have? What's his name? Uh, Devin Brown. Okay. The problem is – that um, first of all, he got hurt about halfway through the first quarter. Okay. Yeah, that, I see. He only threw six passes. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, and so then we are left with our true freshman, technically a third string quarterback, Lincoln Keenholtz. Keenholtz. Yeah. And so you'll look at his stats there, and they're not good. Six of 17, 86 yards. Yeah. What those stats don't tell you is our offensive line was the worst performance I have ever seen by an Ohio State offensive line in my entire life. Hmm. And here, here's where I am irate at our head coach, Ryan Day. I've been generally a defender of Ryan Day. Here's where I'm going to put him on scorch. They changed their lineup for the offensive line. Their center – went on a podcast about two weeks before the game and made some comments that did not make the coaches happy about name image likeness stuff as well as the number of practices that they had had, which was not many. 
So they didn't come out and publicly say this, but they benched him, moved the right guard to center, and put in a brand new right guard. And it was like open season on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was unbelievably bad. Did the starting center dress at least? He dressed. So, but they never put him in. Never put him in. Feels like a lot of spite. Yes. I get proving a point in terms of like, you shouldn't have said those things. Okay, fine. But at halftime, when you're still miraculously up 3 nothing, despite the fact that your offensive line has just uh, been uh, a sieve, mm-hmm. do you want to win the game? Like That's the question. Do you want to win the game? Yeah. If you do, you should put in your starting center and move your center back to right guard where he naturally belongs to have a chance to win. But he stubbornly stuck with that offensive line that was getting absolutely torched, giving the freshman quarterback no chance. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's dumb coaching. He might be a brilliant offensive mind, but that's a terribly dumb decision that tells me you're more concerned about your own pride than you are about winning a game, and that's not a good sign. End I'm rant. sorry, Matt. End rant. <laughs> End rant. Uh, let's talk NFL. Uh, Why? <laughs> the Jets The Jets are still bad. Yeah, the Jets lost on Thursday night. Uh, although in the second half, the defense played really, really well. In the first half, the offense played okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everything's about the future now. We did beat the Redskins, uh, or excuse me, the Commanders. Um, sorry about that. Uh, still getting used to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the season's a, a loss at this point, and we're looking toward next season. I will say the final game of the season this next week, we do have a chance to beat the Patriots, which we haven't beaten the Patriots in like six years. Wow. Six or seven years, something like that. So would love to break that, but if we do that, we'll give the Patriots the number two pick. Mm. And so it's I, kind of a lose-lose situation. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And remember, it was the Jets who knocked Drew Bledsoe out of the game and brought in a a very green, very unattractive <laughs> Thomas Brady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you who go. didn't leave for, what, 12 years, 15 years? Yeah, something like that. More like 15, I think. Um, yes. Did you see the end of the Lions-Cowboys game? Yes. Okay. The the Lions got hosed. Absolutely hosed. Yeah. The re- I think a, a storyline for this NFL season has been the refs have been really, really bad. Mm-hmm. More bad than usual. Yeah. That's I, probably true. I, I've, I think back to the Jets uh, game against the Chiefs where there were some bad calls made mm-hmm. um, that swung the game to the Chiefs. Uh, there was the Chiefs' end of the game, although I think I'm with the referees and calling, you know, if a wide receiver lines up offsides, you call him offsides. Yeah, I'm absolutely with, um, with the refs on that one. However, there, there has been a history of checking with the referee, hey, am I lined up onsides? Yes. Um, which they've seemed to have abandoned. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. They've called Garrett Wilson for that three times in the last three weeks uh, that he's lined up offsides. Yeah, but it's still the wide receiver's responsibility to make sure they're on to sides. look over the official, and like they usually give like the thumbs up, like "Am I good?" Mm-hmm. And the official will either go, "Yeah, you're good," or say, "Like no, like back up." Yeah, you're 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 not lined up right. Yeah, 
and it seems to me that the refs have abandoned that because I feel like I'm, I'm hearing about wide receivers lining up offsides all the time now. Yeah. So it it does seem that it it seems difficult. Um, one of my favorite parts of the weekend were Miami Dolphin fans. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. That Miami Dolphin fans were complaining about the Ravens running up the score against them. Oh. <laughs> I didn't see that. Very critical of Harbaugh for uh, throwing passes in the fourth quarter when they're mm-hmm. up by 21 points or whatever. Yeah. And then the internet doing what I think the internet is best for, <laughs> turning on them and showing them Broncos highlights from earlier that season. Where, where they, they hung 70 on the, exactly, on the Broncos. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And wanted to embarrass the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite things of the weekend. It's generally not a good look to whine about the other team running up the score. Per- Particularly as professionals. Yes. Um, I get it in like Little League, um, maybe even junior high, high school to yep. to, a, to a degree. But these are paid men on the field. Yeah, like, for sure. Like you don't complain about that stuff. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, the Knicks made a trade. I don't know if you saw the New York Knickerbockers made a trade. I didn't. Uh, they traded big names. Uh, R.J. Barrett. You didn't see this. And Emmanuel Quickly. Okay. Those are two pretty key pieces they've been, yes. been building on. Uh, they traded him to Toronto for a guy's name I cannot pronounce. OG. Uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce I, it. I got no help for you. Uh, I'll show it to you. Hold on. It's all over Twitter right now. OG. On a buy. He played it. He played it. IU. Hold on. Let me scroll through my Twitter here back to the <laughs> – This is great radio. This is great radio. OK. So there's the guy's name. OK. I'm supposed to read this now. OK. Um, Anunnabi? Is that how you say that? I don't know. He's Nigerian. Anunnabi. A-N-U-N-O-B-Y. Born in – Anunnabi? Born in London – and grew up in Missouri and went to IU. He's an international man of intrigue. And then was playing in Toronto and got traded the next. But is a 3 and D guy, mm-hmm. so he uh, apparently plays excellent defense and shoots a good three-pointer. Okay. So they got him. That was a big trade. Yeah, it's about time to start paying attention to basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, did you see uh, – the NBA has got to be ticked about this. Christmas Day. NBA has kind of owned Christmas Day for a while now. Oh, yeah. Like, what, six games on or something like that? Yeah, starting at noon. Going all the way past midnight, practically. And this year, since Christmas Day, uh, since Christmas, no, it was Christmas Day. It was on a Monday. Mm -hmm. The NFL put three games on Mm -hmm. and absolutely destroyed the NBA in ratings. I mean, it was a bloodbath in terms of ratings. Like, crazy demonstration of how much people like the NFL compared to the NBA. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was stunning. I knew it would be that way, but the the margin of it was was just remarkable in terms of the ratings. So that's wild. Yeah. All right, you ready to move on? Sure. We are starting the new year off by talking about Harvard. Yeah. I can't believe we haven't talked about this sooner. Well, have we mentioned it in a previous episode? <clears throat> I can't remember. 
I mean, there's there's a lot going on at Harvard. There's so much. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, you had uh, the most no- – I think the, the biggest stories out there about Harvard have been when the president of Harvard as well as, as president of Penn and was it MIT? Yeah, that's right. Those three university presidents – uh, appeared before Congress in a hearing about anti-Semitism, I believe, right? Or like yeah, campus about culture. The, about the pro-Hamas protest yeah. following October 7th yeah. attack by Hamas on Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was – I think it was one of those cultural moments where people had their eyes opened to how far gone – these institutions are oh, absolutely. In terms of their um, lack of any moral backbone or things like that, because uh, all three of those presidents were basically very hesitant to criticize pro-Hamas demonstrations, um, and even very hesitant to um, like they were called out on their double standard of absolutely. And you want to know what they're in a vacuum. The desire for free speech and being like, well, if that speech turns to action, this is, you mm-hmm. know, this is a problem in a vacuum. I'm really OK with that response. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the uh, it's the well, you know, this this is coming from the same people that say speech is violence. Right. Um, that, and who will not allow some viewpoints to even speak or the very the very. Uh, announcement, the very proclamation of those views is immediately shut down or punished yeah. or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I I do think the, the it really was the double standard that stood out and was completely exposed before Congress. Yeah. Um, and ultimately led to the University of Penn uh, president stepping down. Yeah. As some donors pulled – uh, there was a there was it's like a hundred million dollar yeah, donation. There was, a, I there think. was a eight figure, nine figure gift that was pulled, yeah, from a donor from Penn, and that seemed to do something uh, to the board of trustees or the regents or mm-hmm. whatever they're called at Penn, uh, where they incur- now encourage her to step down to a faculty position, um, right? So she's still teaching on campus, yeah. She still has a prominent role. Her life is not ch- changing <laughs> no. that much. I mean, she's no. going to make a little less money, obviously, but yeah. Um, I'm sure she was doing just fine. I think she'll. Yes. And I think her faculty position at Penn, which will probably make her between two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand dollars, is probably okay. Philadelphia is expensive, Matt. <laughs> um, but uh, but she was probably in that hearing probably the most egregious with the smirking, uh, as Elise Stefanik continued to question her. The smirking mm-hmm. uh, was really disturbing. Well, then, uh, I mean, the Harvard president, didn't. she didn't do much better, but... She didn't smirk, at least, I, yeah. I, I, I suppose. <laughs> but then, uh, as people dug into her background, cl- becomes evident she was a pretty significant plagiarist in her academic work. Yes. Like, significant. Yes. Now, I will, I will say she doesn't have extensive academic work. It seems like she's been in a minute, sort of an academic to be an administrator sort of uh, uh, march for her life, which, which there are people like that. That's, sure. That's but, fine. Um, but that doesn't allow you to plagiarize. 
No, and if you're going to make the claim that Harvard is different, it is the leading academic institution in the world, arguably. If you're like that's what they want to argue, right? Mm-hmm. We're Harvard. We're the best of the best. We're at least compare, you know, Oxford, Cambridge in the UK, Harvard, Yale in the US. Mm-hmm. Like we're the elite of the elite. But your president does not have much of a does not have a significant publishing record. That's a hard argue. And then when it's been plagiarized, when yeah. chunks of it have been plagiarized, it's it's a bad look. And I saw uh, the Harvard Crimson. Is that the name of their paper? Yes. Uh, had a split editorial about uh, whether to whether she needed to step down over this plagiarism or not. Um, Which so, uh, this is not the topic, but I will make a yeah, side yeah, note yeah. on this. What is stunning to me is, again, here comes your double standard. Every Harvard student should look at that and go, if I did that, I'd be failed in the course at least and maybe expelled from the university yeah. for something like that. My degree mm-hmm. might be revoked. Like all those yeah. sorts of things are on the table for that kind of action. But it's OK because the president – and this is the thing that people don't want to say out loud, but some have. Like you question whether she was qualified to have that position and whether her gender and her ethnicity played a significant role in her being chosen as the next president of Harvard. Yeah. And that discussion can go a million different ways. But I think if we're going to be honest, no no one can deny those factors played a role in her gaining that position. Yeah. So uh, there's two great podcasts that I listen to. I'll, I'll post them. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, but they are interviews with one current faculty member at Princeton and one retired professor from Harvard who comment on the plagiarism <clears throat> mm-hmm. and come to the conclusion like, yeah, th- this just isn't good. Um, and how did Harvard end up in a spot that they're in, uh, particularly the uh, Harvard professor who is was a professor at Harvard for 60 years mm-hmm. and retired at 90? Wow. Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not be working till I'm Yes. <laughs> just, just put that on the table right um, now. This guy's still publishing, by the way, uh, <laughs> even in retirement, but uh, but comments on some of these things. And uh, I'll post both those uh, in the in the show notes. But they were um, if, if you're just like, well, it was, you know, there's degrees of plagiarism and all these things. If Listen to these guys. These guys are professional academics. One's at Princeton. One's at, mm-hmm. one's a former professor at Harvard, and they say this is egregious. Yeah, yeah. All that's prelude <laughs> to what you mm-hmm. really wanted to talk about at Harvard here, uh, and that is uh, it's an article uh, by your boy Ryan Burge. Yes, my boy, your boy. <laughs> um, oh, this could be interesting since I do not have an internet connection in here. Okay. Um, Do you want me to, to to give the skinny on it real quick? Well, I, I I have it pulled up, so I have the the text, but okay. not the not the graphs. Okay, I can help us with the graphs. There you go. Uh, so uh, basically, Ryan Burge looked at uh, data and wrote an article called "How Weird Is the Religious Composition of Harvard's Student Body?" And the answer is, it's a little weird. Yeah, it's incredibly odd. <laughs> um, so 
how would you well let's let's start I, I'll, I'll i'll ask you of the many statistics that stood out mm-hmm. what stood out to you the most I think the statistic that stood out the most was the number of and partly because it connects to connects to me is how many uh, Protestants mm-hmm. are on campus. Now that category is Protestants a big category. Oh, it's huge. Uh, huge. The mainline, yeah, evangelical and and fundamentalist anything in between really. Uh, yeah. And and it would capture I would assume like Mormon Af- African American churches as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Like like it's not just white, it's yeah. And I, I assume, no, they have a separate category for Mormon, excuse me. But maybe Jehovah's Witness would be thrown in that category. I, I, you know. Not. There's there's some other Yeah. Um I, I would not let me be clear, I would not categorize those yes. groups. But yes. I could see de- groups doing surveys categorizing those together. So uh Ryan looked at at a couple, sliced it a couple different ways, but looked at all 18-year-olds entering college mm-hmm. across the nation. 30% of them are Protestant. Yes. Nearly a third. At Harvard, it's 6%. Yes. Uh, that's just wild to me. Um, if, and this is Ryan's take, and I, I agree with him, uh, if Harvard is going to be the the elite university of our country, it should reflect um, our very diverse and distinct country. Yes. In some way, shape, or form. Okay. And it's not reflecting it in this way. So that that was the biggest standout to me was the number of Protestants on Harvard's campus. Yes. Um, I have I have a couple of thoughts on why that is. I want to hear why you think that only 6% of Harvard's incoming freshman class is Protestant. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, I – well, I, I'd love to see historical data and see like 20 years ago mm-hmm. what was this number at. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I don't know if we – I don't know if he has this, but I think that would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Harvard is recruiting smaller and smaller pools and I don't think Protestants are in those pools. So I think there's some – very liberal, East Coast, elite uh, private schools that they're going to go to to recruit. And I, I just don't think Protestants are there. Um, so I think that's one factor. I, mm-hmm. I also think that Harvard probably isn't a place that's very friendly uh, toward Protestants, mm-hmm. broadly speaking. Yeah. Um, those are my two main thoughts. So there might be some self-selection there. Of- yes. I think Protestants have self-selected out. Yeah. I think that's – True to a small degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your I think your first point though is probably a, a bigger piece of the puzzle in terms of um, where Harvard is drawing students from, and um, I mean I think uh, I think there is definitely a strong bias towards in favor of Northeast uh, students. Absolutely. And uh, I mean you think about the, the religious makeup of the Northeast mm-hmm. and there's there's you know there, there is a Protestant heritage there obviously mm-hmm. but um, not something that is 
it's not a robust center of <clears throat> of biblical uh, orthodoxy, let alone even just broad, broadly speaking, broad Protestant, um, you know, thriving by any means. Uh, I mean, uh, let me give an example. So, um, my wife grew up in the Boston suburbs. Yeah, and. Um, you know, she would she she will name off like, oh yeah, this this kid in our class went to MIT, this kid went to you know Harvard or Yale or Ivy League stuff, and um, I'm convinced that uh, the if you took if you took the top you know thirty students at her high school and compared them to the top thirty of my graduating class, I'm convinced. Because there were some incredibly sharp people in my graduating class. In Napoleon, Ohio. In Napoleon, Ohio. Northwest Ohio. Mm -hmm. Like if you blind resumed them and had them apply to Harvard, mm -hmm. grades, ACT, SAT, all of it, um, and took away where they were from, I think it would be an even match. Yeah. But the fact that those kids were from – the Boston area gave them a significant leg up in in applying to Northeast schools. Well, and I think to further that point a little bit, uh, the number of students at Harvard in this survey is within the margin of error uh, for Catholics. Mm -hmm. And I think of the Northeast as a much more, particularly the Boston area, yeah, much more Catholic. Now, I think that has changed in the last 10 years. I think the Catholic Church is moving out of Boston a little bit. Uh, I think there's still a cultural Catholicism that's there mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I think and, and I think the survey does reflect that because it's uh, nationally 16 percent, mm -hmm. or excuse me, nationally 19 percent Catholic. Harvard is 16 percent Catholic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think some of that is even just bias towards where they are primarily recruiting students. I, mm -hmm. Now I think. One factor of that that's not taken that we haven't talked about is just the the, the legacy admits right like yeah. my dad went to Harvard so I get a leg up in the application process or even just the oh you're a you're a you know Supreme Court justice or yeah. a you know a congressman your kid probably gets in kind of thing if if his grades are even remotely close kind yeah. of thing to get in well you know what uh, the that interview that I was talking about with the Harvard professor, mm -hmm. uh, he said with great inflation at Harvard, it's incredibly difficult to get into Harvard. But once you're in, it's pretty easy to stay at Harvard. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I, I'm really not. I mean, great inflation is a whole other topic for another day. Yeah. But um, yeah. The, the other big thing to come out of this data, the, the probably the second most surprising thing, uh, uh, nationally, agnostic and atheist um, clock in at about 21 percent mm -hmm. uh, of the nation's 18-year-olds uh, yeah. uh, that are at college. Uh, they have Harvard at uh, uh, 47 percent. Near near half of their student body is agnostic or atheist. Yeah. What do you make of that? That's pretty wild. I mean, again, I think it's part of where you're drawing students from. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I also think 
I think some of that is the self-selection that uh, that people uh, that that people who are more conservative or even just Protestant in general probably don't uh, have, have to some degree self-selected out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I just don't know what to make of it. I I, I guess. It just – goodness, how do you even phrase this? Um, it just goes to show there's not a clear like, hey, this kind of person comes to Harvard. You know, mm-hmm. you know, irreligious, uh, very progressive, uh, you know, yeah. um, people who believe in these things. They're not posting those on the internet, right? That, that's not on the website. Right. But those things are clear. Um, it's – it's almost if it's a statement of faith. Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's almost like they're coming out and saying, but they're not saying it this clearly, like, hey, we, we believe in progressivism. We believe in uh, agnostic yeah. atheism. Uh, and we believe uh, in uh, this sort of uh, vague and obtuse intersectionality, CRT sort, sort of yeah. uh, worldview and framework. Um, well, and that's even evident – um, in one of the paragraphs here, he notes. Um, let's see here. Where is it? Uh, about the political makeup of uh, of the institution. Um. Yeah, he he hits that yeah. in the second paragraph. Yeah. So, on the political end of things, twenty five percent said they were moderate. This is incoming eighteen year old freshman. Mm-hmm. 25% moderate, 65% progressive, 8% conservative. Eight. Yeah. That, Eight. That's that's just wild. Uh, that's just wild. And some of that is, I think, I'm sure, self-selective. And the other is, um, again, I guess I don't know the full process of admissions, but I imagine you probably have to submit some sort of Essay, writing sample, something. Sure, sure. Something. Well, I mean, that's what that. That's what the. Uh, that's what the uh, the lawsuit this summer was all about. I mean, they were at the Supreme Court for this. And anytime you have something like that, the people who are reading that and evaluating that can easily kind of either weed out mm-hmm. non-progressives, <laughs> or they're looking specifically for. I'm looking for the buzzwords. Yeah, I'm looking for diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm looking for like the the progressive buzzwords, and if I'm not finding them, they don't get in. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about uh, this. Is another wrinkle. I mean, there have been lawsuits against Harvard for their discriminatory admissions process when it comes to. Not admitting Asian students. Yeah, we have any. Well, and I, I think that's where the DEI framework really breaks down um, around uh, Asians um, in academics, and mm-hmm. and I think uh, Jews and Jews in, in, in a lot of ways. Yes, um, and I, I think you're going to see some lawsuits from for from some Jewish groups uh, against these universities. I just I just don't see any any way around it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and I'd expect those uh, maybe 
later this year. Yeah, I mean, but my understanding is haven't some of the Asian groups who have sued, they've won in court, I believe. They won at the Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, I, that's an, in one sense, that's another subject, but I, I don't know. But, but there's a broader question. Like, how, how do you fix this? Like, first of all, let's say and Harvard will never be this self-aware. Harvard will never look at the data in this article and go, that's a problem. No, I don't think so. We're not diverse enough. But let's say through some miracle, you had a president come in who's like, this is not good. Yeah. Let's fix it. How do you fix it? Gosh, yeah. That, I mean, that's such a hard question. Um, I'm not sure you can. Yeah. Um, not not in a year. You can't oh, fix it. No. It would it would take 10, 15 years of rebuilding standards, rebuilding trust. I mean, and you'd have to change the. Um, you have to change a good bit change of the faculty. faculty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, well, we are well past our normal time here. Is there anything that we haven't hit on from this article that you desperately wanted to touch on? Um, I've read I've read tweets. I guess I don't know this for sure that Harvard uh, applications have fallen to the floor. It still won't matter. The, they'll still have plenty of people who want to go to Harvard. Yeah. Well, and their endowment is such that, quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Correct. Now, now that we're recording this episode, you know what's going to happen. Well, you want to know what? It drops at one o'clock today. Let me check Twitter see if she's been fired yet. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <clears throat> Do you think she'll be fired ultimately? Um, I think media hype will calm way down and then her contract will end or something like that. I think she'll – See, I, I actually do think she'll be forced to step aside mm-hmm. because some of the people who were early – were early uh, early people on the – there's plagiarism there and starting to prove it. Some of those people that I follow on Twitter have said there's more coming, that hmm. that, that there's that, that this is not it, that there's more plagiarism stuff coming. I know, I know that Harvard University uh, deployed lawyers to sue um, those journalists who were who are coming out with that. That's a great look, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's awful. Um, so, uh, see, that's what makes me think there's more. There's more, and basically, what I think what's going to happen is they're going to nudge her out the door, but they're going to frame it as for the for the for the good of the institution. This is a distraction. This is mo- this is taking too much time and energy away from the good that Harvard does, and so for the good of the organization, she's stepping aside. It's sad that this right wing. You know, group these white right wing groups have smeared and and taken down this person, but in the interest of moving on, she's decided to step aside. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and they'll give her a nice little golden parachute or dump her down into a faculty spot or something like that and move on. Yeah, eventually. And then who's the next president? Barford. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Uh. Um, do you want to go on record right now to say that you're not interested in that position? I am not interested in that position. OK. I appreciate that clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I know everyone's shocked. Yeah. All right, John. 
Time now for This Day in Sports History. All right, This Day in Sports History, uh, January 2. 2024. 2024. Uh, 1965, New York Jets, we're starting the year off right, uh, signed future pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath to a gargantuan contract gargantuan. of $427,000 over three years. Yeah. Now, I don't know what that equates to in like today's dollars. Today's dollars. Um, but yes, gargantuan. Uh, 1966 National Football League Championship, Lambeau Field, Green Bay Packers beat the Cleveland Browns 23 to 12. First NFL title game televised in color. Last one played before the Super Bowl. That's right. Era. That's right. Uh, 1982, the Epic in Miami in 85-degree heat. Uh, the San Diego Chargers defeat the Miami Dolphins 41-38 in overtime in the AFC Divisional Playoff game, a game that set uh, numerous playoff scoring records. That is a legendary game. Um, yeah. Have you heard anything about that? No, no, okay. I don't, I don't think I'm familiar with the Epic in Miami. Yep. Yep. I like the title though. Yeah. Epic in Miami. Yeah. Uh, 1985, uh, uh, Los, uh, Nevada, uh, Las Vegas basketball gives coach Jerry, uh, uh, Tarkian? Tarkanian. Tarkanian, his 600th career victory, 142, 140. Wow. 142. Uh, win over Utah State in triple overtime, totaling 282 point breaks. Uh, NCAA men's record of 275 set in 1976. That's yes. a lot of points. It is. Uh, Tark the Shark. Tark the Shark is he what was, they call He him. was well known for having like a white towel. He was bald, had a white towel. He'd hang it over his shoulder. And at, at stressful moments in the game, he would chew on it. Oh. He'd chew on the white towel. Mm. Uh, 2006, 35th Fiesta Bowl, uh, number four, Ohio State beats number five, Notre Dame, 34-20. Yep. Yep. And 2023, this last last year. Yes. Last year, that seems weird to say. <laughs> uh, Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin collapses in cardiac arrest and is revived by CPR on the field in a live televised football game against the Bengals in Cincinnati. Yeah. Aren't all NFL games live televised at this point? Uh, yes. Do we need the clarification there? And I, I don't know. Um, so uh, who do you like out of that? I, I might like the Epic in Miami as sort of the yeah. the, the titular uh, part of our episode. There you go. Yeah. Should we just call this episode the Epic in Winona Lake? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should rename the podcast um, <laughs> the Epic go. in Winona Lake. There you go. Let's let's go with the Epic in Miami. The Epic in Miami. One thing you liked? Uh, my one thing is we had we hosted my entire family for Christmas. We had my two-year-old niece uh, with us, and she was a ton of fun. What's her name? Uh, Lillian. Lillian. That's right. Mm-hmm. Not Lily. Oh. But I'm allowed to call her Lil. Which is fine. But not Lily. Not Lily. Lillian. Either Lil. Lil. Or Liliana. Lillian. Lillian. Sorry. Lillian. Yep. And she, we, we've adopted some of the things that she – so we got her string cheese. Uh, 
you know, the common kid's snack, yeah. which he calls long cheese. Long cheese. Which okay. Andrea and I have now adopted. <laughs> okay. As something we call uh, string cheese. And, uh, you know, sliced cheese, mm-hmm. she calls flat cheese, Ooh. which we've also adopted. <laughs> so flat and long cheese. Okay. Which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I'm going to go uh, similar uh, vein here. Uh, we were out in Omaha for Christmas to visit Kate's family, her parents, and her brother and sister in law and their uh, four kids. So that was a lot of fun. Um, we we always do a um, one of the days we're there. We always do a a guys day and a girls day. So like all the guys go off and do something, and the girls go off and do something. And hmm. So for the guys day, we went out to lunch and uh, went to Shields. Ever heard of Shields? It's like a massive like sporting goods so. store. Hmm. Think, think of like Dick's Sporting Goods, but like on steroids. Awesome, massive. Uh, which always fun to to walk through there. And then we went to Top Golf. Oh, fun. Yeah. How heated is Top Golf? Cuz I imagine oh, how cold is Omaha? It was cold, but uh th- those bays were, were were heated nicely. The the only if the wind is blowing a certain direction though. It's like cold. It, and the cold wind blows in. It's hard for those heaters no matter how hard high they're hmm. cranked up. To. And how would you hit them? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I dominated. Wow. I did. Wow. But see, here's the thing. It was golfing with me this summer that, yeah. that did it for yeah. you. Yeah, I cracked the code. See, everyone in the group is trying to bomb it with the driver, you know. Mm-hmm. I figured out if I hit that four iron into that middle area, I'm going to hit one of the one of the uh one of the targets. One of the targets. Hmm. So steady, consistent, crack the code. Nice. Yeah, I figured it out. Nice. All right. We have talked college and NFL football. We have talked about what's going on at Harvard. Really just scratched the surface on that one. Yeah. We have talked about the epic in Miami. Bum, bum, bum. We have talked about Lil and her descriptions of cheese. We have talked about my, my dominance at Top Golf. You know, we should do Top Golf. I've never done Top Golf. You haven't? No, no. Really? Maybe we have a podcast meetup in Indy and do, there you and go. do Top Golf. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I think by definition, we've covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.